what up, what up, what up, and welcome to episode 11 of the Fight Podcast. Um, as always, I am your host, uh, Sergio Vicente, and um, today, man, we have a great show lined up, man. I definitely do. A uh, little different, a little different. You know, I'm going to hold it down today uh, solo, uh, but not only am I going to go ahead and do that, we're also going to do, um, we're going to introduce, actually, we have a new segment today. Um, so, uh, actually, the way the, uh, the show today is going to break down, um, obviously, I want to go ahead and touch on this incredible fight weekend that just we just had and honestly this past weekend what it felt like christmas it really did man it was um boxing mma everything was just i mean this past few weeks i know i've talked about it you know um over and over again uh, for the past couple weeks but man the the shows have really been living up to their expectation and the potential and everything and uh i have to say um it's it's been awesome to as a fan it's been great to go ahead and watch and see how everything's doing um but we're also so we're gonna break down um last week's major card um as we do each and every week, we're going to go ahead and give a shout out to uh, an up and coming prospect uh, with our uh, weekly prospect alert. We're going to go ahead and, you know, get into some fighter news. We actually have a couple, you know, big fight announcements that just happened. And uh, there's actually just a whole bunch of kind of cool and fun stuff that's happening in, in MMA and uh, boxing news. And um, we're, then we're going to go ahead and uh, hit our new segment. Um, can't figure out what the heck I'm going to call it yet. Mm, minority Report, maybe, you know, fighters who give back something. Uh, please, you know, will interact with me. Let me know, you know, via... Uh, whether it be the website, uh, which is also www.thefightpodcast.com. Um, do me a favor, man. Go on there. You could actually interact with uh, with me, um, ask questions and things like that um, when it comes to uh, the show um, or anything else in our suggestion category. Uh, we have a whole tab for that. And also, if you want to interact with the show, do me a favor. Go on our also our uh, IG or our Facebook. Facebook and um, and just leave a note in the comments. Uh, do a hashtags, you know, question the fight podcast, and uh, we'll end up, you know, answering your questions here on the show as well. So, yo, man, with all that being said, um, let's get into it, man. It's uh, been a great, you know, um, weekend of fights, and uh, we're already gonna go ahead and start off with, you know, the the main the main. Sh- uh, we really want to start off with, um, I was going to say, that just the UFC. I mean, might as well start off with the UFC fight night um, at Atlantic City, uh, headlined by Kevin Lee and uh, Edson Barbosa. Whoa. Yo, that fight was, for as one-sided of a fight as it was, it was incredibly entertaining, man. Uh, Kevin Lee, with that performance, 100% puts his name right back into title contention, um, especially after the his last fight was a loss um, against Tony Ferguson. Um, now, getting into this fight, Kevin Lee did something that was a little different than we saw Khabib do against Ed- Edson Barbosa. It was very, very similar in the way that they went ahead and attacked it. Um, Edson Barbosa, um, for those of us who don't know, is a phenomenal striker. And not only is he a phenomenal striker, he's one of the most difficult guys in MMA to get down. Um, he's super, super strong, crazy athletic. Uh, he trains in, uh, in, in Jersey with Frankie Edgar and Marlon Marais, um, even with, um, with Eddie Alvarez at times. So he's up there with, you know, legitimate, 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 uh, wrestlers. Um, one thing that Edson Barbosa does great is that he, always gets the underhook so anytime someone pushes him against the cage he tends to get the underhook and that's really what helps him survive and stand and do anything else that he needs to do push people off and we saw him do that a lot against uh khabib uh Nurmagomedov when they fought the difference is what he wasn't able to do with um with kevin lee this time around and kevin lee for those of us who don't know kevin lee uh is a brother uh black dude out of uh Detroit. I talked about him a little bit last show, but um, 
super super strong wrestler um very physically imposing um decent stand-up and the cool thing is if you're looking at his stand-up his stand-up has increasingly gotten better and better and better um training in uh in uh, Vegas, I think definitely um, has allowed him to go ahead and, you know, really just always have those quality guys going in there. And he ends up doing work. So um, watching Kevin Lee uh, go out there this uh, this last show, and um, and again, the, the fight, for all practical purposes, again, was a one-sided beatdown. Um, Kevin Lee was able to dictate the pace of the fight. Um, he really, um, which surprised me, really dictated the striking. Um, his striking looks crisp. He was throwing really, really powerful counters. Um, his body kicks, uh, a lot of times, especially in the first, you know, first and second rounds, um, Kevin Lee was easily able to, you know, get the underhook, really um, press the action, get Edson Barbosa against the cage, um, really clasp his hands, lift up, drop them. And next thing you know, I mean, he was able to just do what he wanted to on the ground. Um, one thing that Kevin Lee does better than anybody else, and um, and honestly, it seems like more and more in MMA, it's become a lost art, is actually getting in the mount. Um, if you haven't actually ever um, competed or had a jiu-jitsu class, anybody getting a mount on you, and that's when somebody legitimately takes you down, um, gets a position where if you're flat on your back, uh, their torso, their hips are directly over your hips. So, uh, you know, it's an extremely uncomfortable position to be in, especially if the guy on top locks up and has really, really solid pressure, which Kevin Lee definitely has. Um, a lot of times people don't end up using the mount um, as much as they can because it's harder to control guys. Um, if you're in the mount, the guy on the bottom uh, ideally is able to kind of shoot his hips up. He tries to shrimp out. He can do a lot of different things that, you know, make it difficult um, to keep control. And also, again, uh, stabilize, you know, your ground and pound. So instead of doing that, guys tend to go ahead and actually get side control. So so they'll get inside control so because one it's a little easier to get into you don't have to you know really literally get on top of somebody because <laughs> popular to you know contrary to popular belief these dudes aren't just giving it up you know what i mean they're not gonna go out there and just let you mount them so a lot of times you can work and get into side control and that's what most fighters end up doing but kevin lee is so good at his grappling and his wrestling and his control he he ends up slicing, you know, these through um, Edson Barbosa's defense, getting them out, and then landing some of the nastiest ground and pound I've ever seen. Um, when Khabib was landing ground and pound on Edson Barbosa and Edson Barbosa's last fight, it looked bad. And and I have to say, man, this looked even worse. This dude was on top of him. I mean, just pounding him out. Um, the first round um, and the second round were really, really similar. Automatic takedowns, beating him up on the ground. If he did stand up, um, and I can't lie, at one point in time, it looked like uh, Kevin Lee could have finished Edson Barbosa on the feet. Uh, he dropped a huge um, uh, body kick, you know, rear leg uh, with his right leg, uh, body kick kick it really just rocked Barbosa and and to me I was like oh yo he's about to take him down and finish him salute to Edson Barbosa for possibly being one of the toughest guys uh in MMA today he hasn't one he hasn't ducked anybody ever uh but aside from not ducking anybody at all um he he, he definitely you know took one and continued fighting hard throughout the entire fight which brings me to the third round. Uh, so beginning of the third round starts off as usual. And uh, where it's just, you know, Kevin Lee looking like he's dominating the fight, beating him up, taking him down. Edson Barbosa with every little bit of energy he has left through his patented, you know, spinning heel kick. And yo, it connected flush on Kevin Lee's head. Ended up wobbling Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee starts dancing around, doing stanky leg, everything else. Uh, But to his credit, anybody else would have got their head clean, knocked off. And 
you know, not knowing what to do. To to Kevin Lee's credit, he shoots in and just automatically just takes down um, Edson Barbosa, gets his bearings, and honestly goes on to win the third round. Um, he then, again, business as usual, fourth round. Uh, fifth round, we get to... Um, Edson Barbosa's really busted up from, you know, a couple of counter strikes on the feet. Uh, both of his eyes are swollen. He has a huge hematoma um, on his left side. Uh, the judges end up calling the fight. It ends up being a TKO. Uh, one of the most impressive victories I've seen, um, especially one against Edson Barbosa, who I believe is one of the best and most impressive strikers in MMA. Uh, but, man, dude. Kevin Lee going out there and beating up one of the best guys in the world and making a statement and proving that he belongs uh, right where, you know, he currently is. So um, I'm really excited, man, to see uh, what the future has in store for uh, Kevin Lee. Um, You could almost look at it. If you, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson has the internship, uh, but the fact that he ended up, you know, tearing, which it seems like is his MCL completely off his knee, and we have no idea how long he's going to be out. Um, in that division also, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Conor McGregor. And again, we're talking about the 155-pound lightweight division um, with the UFC, which... And honestly, my opinion and a lot of other individuals is the most entertaining, the best division in MMA. So um, aside from Connor, which shit, who knows, he might end up going to jail. Um, aside from, uh, you know, Tony Ferguson, who, who we don't know when he's going to be back. It might be at least a year to uh, to rehab his knee and come back after surgery. So you think about it. I mean, we have Khabib. We have Kevin Lee, we have Eddie Alvarez, and we have Dustin Poirier. Um, there's a whole lot of other guys in the mix as well, but we can say, you know, aside from Connor and, uh, and Tony, those four guys are the top dogs. So, you know, to see these guys fight, I mean, we already know... Um, I mean, there's a couple, again, there's a couple big matchups coming up in the near future, uh, but we'll see how it all ends up shaking out. I would love to see um, Kevin Lee fight Dustin Poirier, um, or honestly, I'd like to see, because he's ranked higher, I'd like to see uh, Kevin Lee fight Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez is a former Bellator um, lightweight champion. He's uh, a former uh, UFC lightweight champion recently. In fact, he's the guy who uh, recently lost his belt uh, to Conor McGregor. Who knows? Maybe the moment was too big, whatever, but he still lost his, his belt. Um, so it would be interesting to see, especially if uh, uh, Tony Ferguson can't go anytime soon and Khabib um, says he does, he's not going to end up fighting until November. Um, maybe August, maybe October, we see Kevin Lee fight Eddie Alvarez in a like a definite number one contender spot, or we see Kevin Lee fight Dustin Poirier. So um, a lot to go on in the lightweight division. I mean, that entire weight class is full of. I mean, it's it's murderers row, man. It really is. It's it's crazy to watch and actually see those guys. Um, the rest of the card was incredible. Also, uh, Frankie Edgar coming off of um, really was just a six week layoff after getting knocked out by Brian Ortega. And actually, uh, it's funny we bring up Brian Ortega. We'll be talking about Brian actually a little bit later on in the show um, in our new segment. So uh, stay tuned to that. Um, but Frankie Edgar was fighting against Cub Swanson. Uh, this is a rematch from a couple years ago. Um, Frankie Edgar ended up doing work, beat down Cub Swanson, um, ended up getting one of the latest finishes in UFC history um, with, you know, under 20 seconds left in the final round. He ended up getting the, the finish. Great fight. I mean, and again, this fight... I will say for Frankie Edgar was just as impressive, especially if you look at what, you know, he had in store. I mean, we, if we look at it, 
Frankie Edgar just came off of uh, getting KO'd for the first time in his career less than less than a, less than two months ago. So a lot of people already didn't want him to fight, especially fighting someone like Cub Swanson, who has a really really high KO percentage. Uh, uh, Cub Swanson boxes even with guys like you know former. Uh, welterweight title holder and guy who beat uh, Pacquiao, Tim Bradley. So we have guys like that. He's fighting, he's boxing these dudes. So I can't even lie. I was a little nervous for him. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going to happen. And so when the fight started off, it was really, really impressive to see Frankie Edgar with all that said, being said from Cub Swanson, how great of a boxer he is. Frankie didn't even look like he really messed with his grappling. Frankie is great at grappling. His wrestling is top-notch. Granted, if you we look at his last five or so fights, or we look at more, more uh, accurately, like the last three years of competition, he doesn't take guys down as easily. So I don't know if that's an age thing or that's just... I mean, shoot, he's beating him up on his feet, so I don't know if he really cares. And he uses the takedown as a threat. So he did use this as a threat, but what ended up happening in this fight is that, yo, Frankie just went out there and boxed Cub Swanson's face off. Um, he did take some shots. Cub Swanson does what he does. He ended up landing, Cub ended up landing, um, especially in the second round. Some really, really nice, crisp, long shots. But he was never really able to get any combinations off of Frankie Edgar. The entire fight, Frankie looked like he was just one step ahead. He but came in, you know, through about a three-punch combination, gets out, comes in, fakes a takedown, lands two upstairs, gets out. Uh, it was it was Frankie doing what Frankie does. Now he got the unanimous uh, decision victory. Everybody had it on the the. Um, uh, everybody had it 30. All the judges had it 30-27. <laughs> if it was anything else, yo, like I know by nowhere, you know. If it was anything else, the judges had to go. But they got it right. It was 30-27. Great fight for Frankie. Now, what would I like to see Frankie do from here is, is a little questionable. He's still one of the best guys in the 145-pound weight class. But, yo, Frankie's getting a little, you know, long in the tooth. And... If anything, that Brian Ortega fight showed me was that everybody else is finally catching up to Frankie Edgar, especially some of these, you know, younger guys. So Frankie Edgar, I mean, we look at it. Jeremy Stevens, actually, who Frankie's already beaten, is going to go ahead and fight against Jose Aldo. Maybe Frankie fights the winner of those two guys. But if Jose Aldo wins, Frankie's already lost Jose Aldo twice. So, I mean, do we really want to see that? Eh, I don't know, you know. Um, he's already done work against Josh Emmett. Maybe we'll see him fight Ricardo Lamas. But for my money, I would like to see him fight the Korean zombie. Um, I'd like to see Frankie go in there against Chan Sung Young. And, um, I mean, that would honestly be the most entertaining and the best fight um, for Frankie Edgar. Uh, unless... Who knows, man? Maybe he drops down to 135. But great fight all in all from Frankie. Um, I mean, come on, man. We how, well, You can't say anything bad about Frankie. He's a legend. Uh, the next fight on the bill, I kind of gave these dudes a little trash. Uh, Justin Willis versus Chase Sherman. Um, heavyweight bout, I'm going to have to say, I'm really impressed with Justin Willis, man. Um, first and second round. He just completely, his hand speed, his power, I thought he was going to knock him out in the first round. Drops uh, Chase, uh, Josh Chase Sherman in the uh, in that round, in the first round. Incredible combinations. Um, Justin Willis actually played football, I believe, and they said San Diego State University or something like that. Uh, if you look at him, has the frame, obviously, of a D lineman. Uh, but 
hand speed and athleticism, man, this dude is incredible. And not only that, he actually trains uh, at AKA with those big monstrous heavyweights, um, with the Cain Velasquez's, with the Daniel Cormier's, with the Luke Rockhold's. So if he's out there training with those guys, he's really young in his career. Um, I think this guy has a high ceiling, man. Um, I want to keep on looking out for Justin Willis. Justin Willis ended up getting the unanimous decision victory. Chase Sherman, salute to you for having one of the being super tough and um, really pushing the pace, man. He ended up making it a fight. Um, most guys would have went out from some of the shots that Justin Willis was landing. And Chase Sherman, man, just wasn't having it, man. He was just going out there and uh, just competing, and it was really, really fun to watch. Um, the next fight, uh, or the fight that was before that, was um, you know New York legend David Branch. Uh, David Branch is a former two-time WSOF, um, which is now the PFL champion. He was a champion at 185 pounds there and at 205. But if you look at him, his time in the UFC um, hasn't been that great. Um, he had a, a fight in the past, you know, a couple years ago in the UFC. He ended up getting KO'd. He recently fought against, in his first fight back in the UFC, uh, he ended up fighting Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold, I mean, one of the pound-for-pound pound greats. Um, out, uh, greats, current great shit, I say. And uh, he ended up, you know, he, he he went out there, fought well, but ended up getting just broken and, and lost um, in in the uh, in the second round of that fight. So this was his bounce back fight. He was coming in, not fighting far from home. I mean, he's from New York. They're fighting in Jersey. Uh, so uh, actually, they're fighting in Atlantic City. So, you know, he was right there. He was ready. And he was fighting Tiago Santos. Tiago Santos is a extremely athletic, very, very powerful Brazilian. And if you looked at him, he came in in the best shape and even himself and his coaches prior to the fight said this is the best shape that he's ever been in. They said that he came in with zero um, injuries. So they expected Thiago Santos to show out against David Branch. And man, were they wrong. And honestly, yo, I was wrong too. I was looking at this fight and I totally believed that David Branch would win the fight. But I saw him kind of finessing the fight. I, I saw him going out there, taking Buddy down. Um, and because David Branch is such a proficient grappler, I mean, come on, man. He's a Henzo Gracie black belt. He trains with D Donaher and, you know, the Donaher death squad. He's over there with those guys. So I expected him to do what he normally does, apply fantastic pressure, throw some decent shots to get his takedowns, and just, you know, finish the fight on the ground. Yo, he didn't get that memo. He went out there slinging and banging from the jump. And it was so fun to see. He ended up getting um, the first round KO, man. He went out there and, um, man, finished him uh, with a big overhand right hand. Um, Tiago Santos had no idea what hit him. Um, we didn't really get much of that aside from, I mean, again, it was a huge overhand right hand, um, landed directly on the temple of uh, Santos. Santos just falls down like a big tree. Branch jumps him, lands a couple more grinder pound shots. The fight's over. Great, great performance by David Branch. Um, I cannot wait to see, you know, him, especially if he continues to perform at this level. Like, I'm excited for him. That that weight class is the middleweight division, the 185-pound division. I'm not going to say it's the most stacked weight class, but it's really, really top heavy. And those guys in top are like the, the best of the best. Um, I would like to see David Branch fight Kevin Gastelum. I think that would be an awesome matchup. Kevin Gastelum is just coming off of a big win against um, the former champ, uh, Michael Bisbing. Uh, he he knocked him out with a huge combination. Um, I think that would be an interesting fight. Um, David Branch just coming off big KO win. Uh, Kevin Gaslam coming off big KO win. I think that'd be interesting. Even though I know uh, Kevin has uh, some things in the works currently, but in the future, I think that for David Branch would be the best uh, would be the best bet. Um, otherwise, Derek Brunson would also be an entertaining fight. They're all closely in the rankings, and uh, again, I think it would just be fun to watch. All right. 
moving into the Showtime boxing card. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Before I go into that, um, I really want to give a shout out and really, really highlight Dan Hooker versus Jim Miller. Dan Hooker. Um, if we don't, if people don't, aren't paying attention, Dan Hooker, you need to pay attention. Two fights in a row, he is finished with standing knees. Just highlight real stuff. He went out there. Jim Miller, for those of us who don't know, is an MMA. And I feel like I say this every episode about somebody. But he is, man. Uh, Jim Miller is a legend. Um, He has over 29 fights. This was his 29th fight in the UFC. He's been in the game forever. He's fought the best of the best. He's never turned anybody down. And um, he went up there against a young lion, man, and he just got destroyed. Um, uh, Booker, um, Hooker, should I say, went out there, um, landed landed clean shots, um, was always just one step ahead of Jim Miller, and ended up finishing finishing him off um, with... Honestly, in my opinion, was the KO of the night. Huge knee, dropped him, and then landed again a couple shots on the ground. Um, salute to Dan Miller, and again, salute to Jim Miller. Jim Miller, and for my money, and again, this is the same thing I was saying about Carlos Condon earlier. I feel like I care too much about these fighters to watch them continue getting beat up, man. So, I, I, I like Jim Miller. I think it's time to go. You know, we'll see what is happening from there on out. Um, but moving on, Showtime Boxing. Yo, Showtime, I will continue championing them, championing them, whatever, however you say it. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but I, I'll continue pumping them up because they continue putting up great shows. And um, I'm going to try to go through these quickly. But at the same time, yo, each event was incredible. Every fight lived up to expectations. And um, I want to start off with the Javante Davis, uh, Javante Tank Davis, um, who is from, you know, people, a lot of people think he's uh, Floyd Mayweather's protege, um, definitely fights under his banner. Um, and, but he was fighting uh, Jesus Colad, uh, um, super tough guy, former title holder himself. Um, but these guys are fighting for the um, the junior lightweight chip at 130 pounds. Um, Tank, uh, which are Javante Tank Davis, lost his belt on the scales his last outing. Under his own admission, he said he was not as focused for that last fight. He said it was the first time, you know, his second time that he was, you know, on the undercard of a big Mayweather fight. He said it got to his head a little bit. He was kind of showboating a little bit. And um, it forced him to leave what he said, you know, his home in Baltimore and go to St. Louis and um, end up, you know, joining a new team and a new camp. So how did... um, that jump he went to use with uh, I'm sorry his new trainer is Kevin Cunningham in St. Louis Adrian Broner also went there with him and you know what man I have to say for both fighters it seems like the move was great um you can tell from the beginning of the fight, uh, Quillar went out there and really tried to establish his jab early. He really was attacking. You know, he looked like he wanted to to push the pace on Davis. Um, but what I don't think he anticipated was um, Davis's speed. Davis, even though he was the bigger guy than Quillar, um, Oh, so much faster. This dude was putting combinations together. Um, he was and be able to counter everything. Every slow jab the Kalar threw, Davis was able to counter over the top, throwing a straight left hand over the top, because honestly, both guys were southpaws. Now, um, this is only the second southpaw Davis has faced, but this was the seventh that Kalar has faced, so he was, you know, a little bit more accustomed to it. Um, watching these guys go out there, and um and do work uh was really interesting um within the first minute of the fight davis hurt kular you saw it with a with a solid body shot and that's kind of what stopped kular's forward momentum it was davis is not just his power but it was his sharp power it was sharp it was fast and every time dude try to do something you know it just didn't work um kular averages 69 punches per round against davis and granted it was only it was a short outing 
he only averaged, he was averaging less than 50 punches around. So if that pressure was big on his game plan, I mean, we're already seeing it didn't do, it's not doing anything for him. Um, so obviously, or should I say, it's not, it's not that it's not doing anything for him. It's just that Tanks, Tanks is, it was imposing his own style and it was stopping Clark from getting off. So um, the second round absolutely was the beginning of the end. Um, Davis dropped him initially with a huge left hand. Again, counter. It was he countered the right hand, dropped a huge uh, straight left to the body, uh, dropped Kalar. He, uh, he took a knee, ended up getting up. Um, barely got out of that round, in my opinion. Third round comes in. Davis off the bat just attacks him. Um, and one thing that really impressed me about Davis is how. He was just patient, man. Just to see how everything, everything that he threw was with intention. There was no wasted movement with Davis, man. I I already thought he was good, but I'm not going to stunt. It looked like, I was like, okay, this dude might be a little overrated. He hasn't showed me enough. And honestly, the guys he's fought, uh, they're okay. I can't say that anymore. I, I really do think he's upper echelon uh, fighter. The fight ended up being stopped in the um, in the third uh, in the third round. Um, it was originally dropped again with a body shot. Um, as he ended up standing up, Davis attacks him, throws beautiful head shots to the head, beautiful shots to the body, comes back to the head, ends up dropping him. Um, one thing that Davis did well, and especially for a young fighter, really, really impressed me, is that he consistently head body, head body, head body. You, he's he's not doing the same things. He's not having consistent patterns. So these guys aren't really timing him up. Now, after that, you know, Floyd said he would love to see him fight Lomachenko next. I don't see why there's a rush to fight Loma. Um, I think that it's gonna it'll be a great fight in the future. But yo, let, let's build Tank up, especially now that we have a little more momentum. I would love to see um, Tank fight. Um, uh, Tevin Farmer. Uh, Tevin Farmer has a uh, has a big fight coming up, and. Um, if he gets through that, that's who I would like to see fight. I'd like to see them, and they'll unify the IBF title if the two of them fight. So I would love to see that. That will be um, where it is from there. So uh, great fight, Javante Davis. Huge fan. All right. Um, before I get into the next thing, again, I just want to um, reiterate and just... Thank you guys for listening. Uh, again, this is the Fight Podcast. Um, I'm your host, uh, Serge Vicente, Sergio Vicente, whatever you want to call it, but definitely Serge Vicente. Um, please, please, please. Um, we're definitely. I want to do uh, more fan interaction uh, interactions. So uh, go to our website. Go to www.thefightpodcast.com. Um, you can support us on there. You can buy merchandise on there. You can listen to episodes on there. Again, we are on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Um, but also, you can uh, leave comments, questions, concerns on the website also. And please also, you can go and comment on our, on our posts and direct message us on Instagram and on Facebook. And that that is at The Fight Podcast. So... Contact us. Talk to me. Let me know what you think. If you have any questions about any fights or anything else, um, I'll answer them directly here on the show. So, uh, with that being said, let me take a little swig real quick. Man, I'm not just used to talking by myself this long. (laughs) Um, The next fight um, is a guy that you know I'm big on. I've been talking about forever. Um... He was a prospect alert. Granted, he's not a prospect. Um, he was just, honestly, he and his brother are my favorite fighters. Uh, I'm talking about the Charlo twins. I'm talking about Jamal, the hitman, Charlo. Um, he's fighting at 160. For my money, he is the best at 160. Now, um, he ended up fighting Hugo the Boss Centeno. Yo, Hugo's a bad dude. Hugo was 26 and 1. You know, um, 14 knockouts. His last outing, he looked like 
the best guy out there. It was his best performance. One punch knockout. So this was still going to be a test for Charlo. Even though I know in the past and I know in the other shows, I was like, yo, it's whatever. He's going to walk through this dude. I still felt that way. But at the same time, I knew how dangerous Centeno was. Both of these dudes don't really punch, like they don't have really high outputs. Um, Centeno's more of a, a slick uh, counter puncher, really, really good boxer. And Charlo is a, a powerhouse uh, knockout artist who is super fundamentally sound. And again, I think he and his brother are the two most technical fighters in their respective weight classes. Um, Charlo's game plan, you can just tell. It was just to come right at Centeno. And um, and he believed from the jump that, and you can just see it, he didn't think that Centeno believe, well, you know, deserved to be in there with him. Um, out of the fights, I mean, this was a 12-round fight. Well, schedule for 12. Um, neither man has really gone 12 that consistently. Uh, but... Centeno has the um, ring experience, and especially at that weight class. Uh, this is Centeno's seventh fight at middleweight. This is only uh, Charlo's second fight at middleweight. So being that Centeno not only has more experience at middleweight, he's also 6'1", so this is the first guy that was bigger, or should I say taller, because once you saw him in there, you could tell uh, Charlo was absolutely the bigger guy in there. But Centeno was taller, and uh, he was supposed to use his height, which after you watched the first round of the fight, he really did use his height. He he used you know he was, he, he popped him with a couple solid jabs in the beginning, um, but Charlo's power and physicality you can see already taking over from the beginning. Um, this fight when I was looking at it, the first round was a feeling out process. Um. Centeno, I can already see he he found success early with you know the counter uppercut. Mm, they kind of got him in trouble. Second round, uh, Charlo goes out there. I think he already kind of it seemed as if he felt Centeno's power. It seemed as if he was ready for whatever was gonna. And then he just attacked. So he goes out there. Um, few, you know, feeling out process early part of the second round. Charlo drops a huge right hand. Doesn't really connect, but it lands flush enough um, to the neck and the body of Centeno that Centeno kind of falls back. And then Charlo, the dog in him, just goes out there, throws throws um, a huge left hook, um, right hand that kind of that that definitely connects. And then he does something that a lot of people and I, I, I'm one. I'm glad Paul Malinaji talked about it on the broadcast. And Paul Malinaji is absolutely one of the best guys in terms of commentary in um, in boxing. Period. Um, he was saying, and it, you saw it. Centeno defended the left hook. So Charlo goes out there, knocks Centeno out with a huge left hook, catches him, blasts him square, square on the temple, knocks him dead. Um, doesn't even answer the eight count. It's over. But what Charlo did that was so impressive was that he ended up adjusting his left hook in the during you know the combination. He's in his firefight. He's throwing combinations. Centeno's firing back. Centeno's doing the right thing. He took his right hand and was, again, prepared for the left hook. Charlo saw that he was preparing for the left hook, adjusted, brought it in slightly, catches um, Centeno flush. I don't know if anybody knows how difficult that is, but try to go ahead, go to a heavy bag at whatever gym you have. Try to shorten your left hook to land it flush on the bag without hurting yourself and still landing a powerful enough shot. That's what Charlo did in the moment against a top flight opponent. Again, this guy is... Deserving of, and now he is the mandatory uh, title challenger for Triple G. He just won the WBO uh, um, middleweight chip, so he now he has a portion of one of the belts. Um, people are going to be forced to end up, you know, dealing with this guy. He um, Golovkin is going to have to fight him. 
Uh, and if we're looking at people like Golovkin, and I'm looking at something, for instance, Golovkin, when he fought against somebody who is another physically imposing guy, um, in, um, in my man's from New York, which I'm skipping his name and I'm sorry that I just lost it, but, uh, when he's fighting against physically imposing guys, he doesn't do the same. We saw it against uh, Canelo. We saw it against Buddy from uh, from New York. Same thing's going to end up happening. He doesn't have that same power when the guys are as big as he is. And the difference is that uh, Charlo is a fantastic boxer. He moves well. He defends well. So, um, And he attacks. I'll be really interested to see that fight. So that's going to be a great fight. I can't wait to see it. Uh, the main event was Adrian Broner versus Jesse Vargas. Um, this was definitely a tale of two fights, right? Uh, Jesse Vargas dominated the first six rounds. Um, Adrian Broner came back and did work the last six rounds. Um, I The fight ended up finishing off as a draw. I absolutely had it as a draw um, also. Jesse Vargas looks was looking great in the first half of the fight. Adrian Broner was doing what I expect Adrian Broner to do. Not throw enough punches. Throw flashy punches with power, but not doing his due diligence. What ends up happening is that he goes out there and he ends up throwing bombs um, the second half of the fight. And actually, it seems like the move with Kevin Cunningham and Javante Davis really made, you know, a way for him. Uh, now, ends up being a draw. Back and forth action. Very close fight. I loved it. Where do both guys go from here? Does Adrian Broner have what it takes to beat the upper echelon guys at 147 pounds? To this point, he hasn't been able to prove, he has not proven that he can do so. Looking at losses to guys like Mikey Garcia, who's not even a real 147 pounder, and losing to guys like Sean Porter, who, even though he did knock down the last round, he couldn't even get through. So... I think Adrian Broner is always going to be a name. He's a big name. He's, he's a great personality. We're going to go and watch him fight. But when it comes to the terms of him being like the best of the best, unfortunately, I think that shit might have passed. So um, salute to both guys. Um, I would like to see a rematch of that fight. Um, or I would like to see Adrian Broner, and this is just me being selfish. I'd like to see him... Um, um, I like to see him fight Terrence Crawford. Uh, I think that would be entertaining to see him fight, even though it could, because Terrence Crawford is a natural 140 pound guy. Um, watching them both fight at 147, or just like this fight with Jesse Vargas at 140, you know, at 144, like this catch weight, it'll be entertaining. It'll be interesting. And so for me, that's what I like to see. So great fight. Salute to all the fighters in the weekend. I told you this past weekend was nuts. Um, all of these guys um, and girls and everybody who went out there um, did work. Really, really fun weekend of fights to watch. Um, but. Moving on, uh, I want to talk about, and it's something that um, we do every show, and um, and again, really quick, I want to make sure we talk about uh, coming up soon. Again, we're going to do a couple different things. We're going to do move on uh, to what we're doing now. We're going to talk about our prospect alerts that we do every episode, um, and then make sure you stay uh, with us because I'm also going to go ahead and um, uh, introduce our next segment coming up soon, um, which is going to be really, really dope. I really want to tell stories about these fighters and let you know that these guys are people who actually give a damn and um, are good people, not just like these gladiators in a ring. So uh, dope segment. And also, as always, we're going to have some fight news because, you know, people out there talking real, real spicy. So uh, it's, it's going to be fun. Uh, but prospect alerts. Uh, absolutely one of my favorite, favorite parts of the show. Um, this is where we go ahead and just show love, man. We go ahead and show love to up and coming, you know, um, athletes and fighters, um, boxing, kickboxing, jujitsu, whatever, you know, combat sports wise, um, who we just want to shine a light to and give a little shout out to, um, and who are also should be at the top level. These are people who I believe can go into the UFC today, can go in Bellator, these top organizations, and compete right away. So, Prospect Alert, episode 11. Sung Bin Jo, he is out of South Korea. Sung Bin Jo is 9-0. 
with a hundred percent finish rate. Sung Ben Joe um, fights for the TFC. He's one of the top organizations out in South Korea and Japan. And yo, for those who don't know, they have some dogs out there. Um, Sung Ben Joe actually fights with the Korean Zombie. Um, the Korean Zombie, who is just a huge, huge star. Uh, those of us who know, you know, he's a huge star in the UFC. Uh, the number eight ranked guy in the UFC. And this is the guy, honestly, who is, you know, skillful and is his everyday training partner. So, um, Sung Bin Joe actually, um, he's great power, great subs. He's 9 0. He has five KOs, four subs. He's arguably one of the best Korean based prospects right now. Um, he's great footwork, really, really good footwork. He likes to stay on the outside and land like combinations. He stays long. He's tall for the weight class, so he stays really long, throws great combinations. Um, he does something that I know I talked about earlier with um, Javante Davis. Um, but and also with Charlo and um, honestly all these top guys he does a great job of throwing to the body and the head he mixes it up great I mean I was watching he had a title fight um, it, it, in this past February for uh, the T, the TFC um, this dude goes out there he throws incredible knees when he has guys hurt he's gonna finish you he goes out there to just destroy you he goes out there to finish you and um it's really, really uh, dope to watch. Um, on the mat, he's good at hunting for the neck, um, and even like going, like you know, doing great arm drags, going for um, you know, the great holds, you know, um, anything that deals with like um, guillotines, um, arm triangles, he's great at. And man, uh, yeah, man, he had his last fight it was a five for five rounder. Uh, he ended up getting a TKO win in the fourth awesome knees he ended up uh, blasting through the combinations now my one concern for him is that especially fighting at 145 pounds with guys like the max holloways the jose aldos um his last fight he ate a couple leg kicks with those top guys man they're gonna hunt for his leg and honestly if they hunt for if they're hunting if he doesn't address that soon granted he has a little bit of time he's not in the big show yet but um, that will be something to watch out for. But all in all, yo, this dude can go in, compete today. Um, he can absolutely, from the beginning, get a top 10 guy. Um, I'd even like to see him fight against somebody like a Josh Emmett because Josh Emmett only has two fights in UFC. He's one and one. It'd be really weird and entertaining to go ahead and actually see a new guy fight another relative newcomer in the UFC. So, again, Sung Bin Joe is this week's prospect alert. Um, really, really fun guy to watch. Please look out for him. He should hopefully in the UFC very soon. Um, speaking of UFC... Joe Rogan, this past week, uh, on his MMA show, he had Kevin Lee talking about the past fights and uh, talking about the state of the lightweight division. The lightweight division, for my money, and it seems like everybody else's money who are involved in combat sports, or should I say in MMA, is the top the top of the top, the creme de creme, however you want to play it. Um, I'm just going to just read out the names just just in the top 10. Khabib is a champ. We have Conor McGregor, Tony Ferguson, Eddie Alvarez, Dustin Poirier, Kevin Lee, Edson Barbosa, Justin Gagey, Nate Diaz, Michael Chiesa, Ally Quinta, James Vick, Anthony Pettis, the former champ, isn't even in the top 10. Anthony Pettis is a two-time champion. He's a champion in the UFC. He's a champion in um, in uh, in like Strike Force. And this dude can't even get in there. He can't. He's not even in the top ten. So that just shows you how deep that division is. But one thing that was interesting is that Joe Rogan said he is actually surprised that nobody is talking about getting rid of Conor McGregor. I'm glad that he's actually somebody that finally is bringing this up. I know that Connor brings a lot of money to the table. We all understand that. But when you guys have guys out there who have been cut from the USC for far less, I mean, what example are we setting? The fact that nobody's actually even questioning this, I think, is a big problem. And, um,. Again, I'm happy that somebody like Joe Rogan, who is such a voice in the MMA community, 
is saying that he's actually fed up with, you know, McGregor's nonsense and that it's ridiculous that he's still able to pretty much be associated with the brand. So if Joe's saying it, I think more of us need to actually pay attention and speak on it. I know I've been saying it. I've been speaking on this. I'm blue in the face. But at the end of the day, this is something that needs to be done. And honestly... He made the sport look bad. He made combat sports look bad. He made all of the athletes, everyone associated with the sport, man, look like some barbarians. And that's not what the sport is about. That's not what we're about. It's about martial arts. If we think about martial arts, it's one of the most, it's, it's all about respect and discipline. This dude's not showing any of that. So I'm gonna say it again. It'd be fantastic to peace out and get rid of that guy. And let's make an example out of somebody who actually does not show the same love to the sport that he's he's received. Um, sticking with the UFC, Derek the Black Beast Lewis is about to fight Francis Ngannou um, for that big uh, UFC July card, uh, the International Fight Week. Yo, this is an MMA dream, all right? Combat sports fans dream. Um, two guys who aren't gonna wrestle, who who have zero gas tank <laughs> and, and, and can knock anybody out are gonna fight each other. Um, I'll do a breakdown when it gets closer, but they've been calling each other out for the past about a year and a half. Um, these guys are our upper echelon heavyweights, um, both of them are glaring holes in their games, and it's gonna make it even that much more entertaining to watch. Um, I, off the bat, I'm leaning towards Derek Lewis because I just love what he brings to the table and what he represents. Um, in the terms of he has the best social media, he's the funniest guy, best social media in MMA. Um, he's also one of the best guys um, in the community when um, the hurricane hit Houston, his hometown, um, he had a fight coming up. This dude was out there packing people in his pickup truck, driving them to safety. So he's one of the good guys. So being that he's one of the good guys and one of the best competitors out there, me personally, I want to see him compete in the sports, or I want to see him win, and and hopefully, man, move on to a chip one day. So uh, that's going to be a really, really fun, um, really, really fun fight. Um... A little bit of boxing news. So Triple G is now uh, set to fight uh, Martrosian, um, who is a very, very, very solid 160-pound, um, uh, you know, he's a middleweight fighter on short notice. I'll do a quick uh, uh, breakdown when I get closer to the fight, or actually uh, in two weeks, I'll do the breakdown of the fight. But, man... I don't know how in shape Martrosian is for the fight. It is absolutely a letdown um, for Triple G and the rest of us, but we'll see. At least this guy's not hopped up on, you know, super taco meat, so hey, whatever. <laughs> um, all right, this is my last thing I'm going to say uh, about the UFC before I actually jump into our our final, our next segment. And again, our next segment is, uh, you know, our, our minority report, fighters who give back segment, so, so hold fast for that. But... Um, Greg Hardy, former NFL fighter or NFL player, um, fought for uh, he. I'm saying fight. He competed. He played for the Carolina Panthers. He pretty much ended up getting booted out of the NFL for multiple cases of domestic abuse. So, if the NFL, who keeps in all kind of crazy people kick this guy out we know it's a problem so why do i bring it up greg hardy over the past couple years has started trying to since he got kicked out of the uh nfl he's been competing in mma trains out of att which we all know man att um american top team out in coconut creek florida is one of the best one of the greatest teams in mma today shoot in mma ever so you have him out there training with these guys, this guy who's already 
who already knows who has all CT or whatever, he's going to be competing for the UFC's Dana White's Contender Series. Dana White's Contender Series is a show that is on um, Fight Pass. That uh, that's the UFC's um, digital platform. They have a show on there where up and coming prospects. It's great, honestly. In my opinion, it's the best thing UFC has done. Um, they have it's they have prospects competing against each other for the opportunity to. They're all professional fighters. All these fights count, and if they show out. They end up going ahead and fighting the UFC. That's how we ended up getting um, from last season's uh, Dana White's Contender Series, um, the up-and-coming UFC star Sean O'Malley, who fights um, in the MMA lab out there in uh, Arizona. So watching the show itself is awesome. Here's my issue with it. UFC, why are we hiring a dude who... Is a for like he's been arrested. He's got kicked out of NFL for domestic abuse. This is the kind of people that you want in your sport. You already got Conor McGregor throwing dollies through bus windows. Now we want to have a guy in here who's known for smacking women around. That's what we want. That and then let's be honest, he's probably gonna crush this dude. He's gonna fight. Why? Why do we want to give this the people like this a platform? We're, we're, we're telling their stories, but we're not telling stories of people who actually are doing better things. So, UFC, get it together. You, you, you have to get better people than this. There, I know there are better heavyweights out there than somebody who's been, you know, arrested for smacking women around. He shouldn't be in there. UFC needs to, you know, part ways with this and think about their image itself. So, yeah, fail. On y'all part. Um, speaking of good people, and um, and again, um, I actually want to uh, before we actually get jump into this segment, um, let let me know what you guys think. Go on our website. Go on www.thefightpodcast.com, um, and, and and let me know. Um, also, ask me any questions that you guys want, and I'll answer it on the show. Um, you can go ahead and DM me on at the fight podcast on IG. So, uh, check those out. And also on the website, uh, we have our merchandise on there. Uh, we have some really, really dope hoodies, really, really dope t-shirts, uh, check them out episodes on there also. So go ahead and make it happen. New segment. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, this is a, I'm calling it my minority report right now because it's the minority people are not knowing about what's going on. Also, I used to like that movie and my girl came up with it and she's brilliant. Um, it's also fighters who give back. Uh, so with this segment, what I wanted to do is I want to go ahead and actually continue telling people's stories that we may not know. So a lot of fighters get flack for being, you know, just barbarians or people think that, you know, we're not smart or we're not, you know, college educated or whatever. I want to go ahead and actually show people that these dudes and girls are out here. They're smart and not only they're smart, they actually care about their community. So um, with that, that brings up my first minority report, and that's going to be the UFC's 140-pound number one contender going to fight for a chip against Max Holloway very soon. And I'm talking about T-City himself, Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega is incredible uh, MMA fighter. Um, he's 14-0, all finishes, um, ridiculous submission artist, and his continued building his skills. Obviously, uh, in his striking, he's knocked just knocked out. You know the legend Frankie Edgar. Um, but being a badass fighter isn't all that he does. Um, Brian Ortega is a kid that you know grew up on the streets in L.A. Um, he's he has from Mexican descent. You know, he, out of his own admission, um, he's you know gang banging and stuff in the wrong crowds. Ends up walking into the in a gym. Ends up walking into Henner Gracie's gym in um, in L.A. as a young teenager. Ends up falling in love with jujitsu. Ends up being one of the greatest jujitsu practitioners out there uh, in MMA today. But not only that, he found a passion and love for giving back to the community and um, helping kids. He teaches a number. He's one of the head instructors at the uh, at the Gracie Academy there in um, 
in LA. But not only does he do that, he started actually a foundation, the Brian Ortega Foundation, um, because he he believes and he wants to get kids off the street through jujitsu. So he has a foundation that he actually put together, you know, 20 grand of his own money and put it up. And actually, which is kind of cool. Um, he's gonna actually going to teach. Um, or they get a year jujitsu scholarship um, at there at the Gracie Academy. And, um, yo, I think this is awesome. He wants to give back to the community. And um, not only is he giving back to the community, he is, um, again, doing different camps and things for kids. Um, one of the cool things is that uh, even Robert Downey Jr. Uh, took um, notice of what he's doing. And now he's also supporting and he's donating to uh, Brian Ortega's foundation. Um, If you want to, you know, donate to the foundation or anything. um, And again, I have nothing to do with it. I just want to give light to Brian and what Brian's doing. Um, But it's um, the Brian Ortega Foundation dot com. And you can donate and they explain everything on there. But um, it's definitely aimed at um, full year jujitsu tuitions uh, for kids. MMA man, martial arts is something that's always been in the community and in people's communities, you know, you know, forever, um, especially in black and brown communities, whether it be boxing and especially now jujitsu. Jujitsu has changed, and not, I mean, combat sports has changed people's lives. Um, it's changed my life. Um, I, 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 I've competed and um, I've competed in everything from jujitsu tournaments to, you know, MMA, boxing, kickboxing fights. And I've been in there, and it definitely gives you a specific type of grind, demeanor, you know, just discipline and um, a, 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 a level of being centered that a lot of other things don't have and the fact that he's giving people off street and doing these things um i would definitely want to give a huge you know standing ovation and salute to uh brian ortega you are our first uh, minority report on the fight podcast and um man i will continue being a fan of his and watching now he has a fight against you know max we'll talk about it when it gets here but uh that's gonna be a tough one for him but as for what he's doing outside of uh the the cage man i love what he's doing all right uh this week these past couple weeks have been crazy with fights man it's been all over the place um but one of the coolest things is that this week is chill one of the cooler things is that the only major event is in my hometown. It's here in Chicago. Uh, Bellator um, 198 is here in town. It is featuring the heavyweight uh, fight, uh, Frank Mir versus Fedor Emelianenko. Whoa. Um, this is a... Uh, MMA fans dream um, Fedor, which who has been known consistently as the top heavyweight of all time. Frank Mir has been known as the top heavyweight UFC fighter of all time, or at least one of them. Unfortunately, they had not been able to fight in their prime. Both men are in their late 30s. Both men are a little long in the tooth, but both men can knock people out so um and both men are actually very very explosive on the ground frank mir absolutely is the more explosive man on the ground um with this fight um i can see it going a number of different ways frank mir is is the bigger guy uh he's gonna he's gonna go he's gonna dictate the pace um if he wants to but i think he's gonna feel he's gonna feel out um Fedor. Fedor is, is known for being explosive. He's known for his quick hands. He's known for um, for his combinations. If Frank Mir is not on his P's and Q's, he'll be on Fedor's highlight tape. But, I'm going to go out on a limb. I think it is going to be a firefight. I think they're going to go out there, and I think Frank Mir is going to go ahead and knock out Fedor in the second round. Um, actually, no, I'm going to call, call that. I think he's going to knock him out in the first round. Um, he's going to be bigger. Um, I don't think that... Uh, I think Fedor slowed down, and um, uh, Frank Mir's boxing has gotten a lot better over the past couple years, man, so um, I'm curious to see uh, this fight. I'm curious because also Frank Mir's had a long layoff, but but I still have him winning this fight. So I got Frank Mir, first round KO. Um, the next uh, fight that I want to talk about is John Slater versus Rafael Lovato Jr. Rafael Lovato Jr. is a Midwest guy. 
American. He's from the States. He is possibly the best uh, jiu-jitsu practitioner ever to come out of the U.S. Uh, fights at 185 pounds. He's undefeated. He's but not. He's knocked people out. He's choked people out. I don't see this fight lasting. I see this fight being a second round submission. Robert Lovato Jr. Rafael Lovato Jr. won't get tested until he starts fighting the upper echelon guys for Bellator's 185 pound class. Um, Neiman Gracie. Neiman Gracie again, one of the guys on that Gracie lineage. Yo, he's dope. Um, super, super slick with his submissions. His striking has gotten a lot, a lot better. Um, he's fighting Javier Torres. Javier Torres, um, doesn't have the greatest record, a little salty record, but I will say it's going to be an interesting fight. Um, I have Neiman Gracie, uh, winning by second round submission. Um, Dylan Dennis, uh, Dylan Dennis, uh, again, another jujitsu God right now. Um, he uh, trains. Actually, he's one of Ch- uh, Conor McGregor's training partners. Uh, he go. He flies out to to uh, London. Trains with the SBG guys. Um, look, Dylan Dennis's jujitsu is top notch. Only person I've actually seen him lose to is Gary Tonin, and Gary Tonin, we all know, is possibly the best grappler out there. If he goes out here and does what he can, and then he has picked up any type of striking from SBG, which I'm sure he has, he should run through this guy. So, with that being said, I'm going to go, I got I have Dylan Dennis, I have Neiman Gracie, and I have Frank Mir for Bellator 198. It should be a fun card, man, and it's going to be nice. Uh, that, that card is actually on Friday. It's going to be Friday here. In Chicago should be really fun. I'm gonna try to get out to it, um, but at the same time, oh, it's so much more fun sitting there watching the fights at home. I'd rather just order it or it's on the Paramount Network. I'm just gonna sit back, you know, and just relax and watch the fights there. Uh, yo, but that's it. That's about it um, for uh, this week's upcoming cards. Um, that's kind of all we have to this week for uh, for the show. Um, everything's been like I said. This, we have a little again, a couple new things that's popped up this week. Um, we're we're doing our new segment where I want to go ahead and give a shout out to up and coming. You know, people are actually doing things in the community. So that's our minority report. Um, yo, big fights coming up this weekend with. Um, with Frank Mir, Federer Milinenko, the rest of the card again isn't the most exciting, but with those big guys, it should be great. Um, boxing, yo, boxing has never been in better hands. Uh, Showtime, continue doing your thing, and uh, we'll say honestly, the winners for the last weekend, Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee is coming out, um, becoming MMA royalty, man. He's he's playing it the right way. He looks the part. He talks, you know, he speaks the part well. He, he's doing things in the community. You got to love what he's doing, man. So uh, I'm a big fan. Can't wait to see uh, his development. That's going to be it for uh, this week's episode of The Fight Podcast. Again, check us out. Uh, go to www.thefightpodcast.com. Um, you can, you know, purchase merchandise. We have hoodies. We have shirts there. Uh, branded with our logo and everything. Um, we can watch the show. Our show is on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, listen to us on on there, um, please. On iTunes, subscribe and rate. Um, and on SoundCloud, make sure you go ahead and review and then rate also on there. Um, and um, talk to us. Let me know if you have any questions um, about any up and coming fights or anything. Um, interact with us on um, IG and Facebook at The Fight Podcast. And as well, again, um, you can just uh, email us directly or ask us questions directly on the website itself, thefightpodcast.com. Uh, the again, this is your host, um, as always, for The Fight Podcast, uh, Serge Vicente. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Peace out.